reached your destination. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. I'm Suzanne Sherman. This is episode 16. Joining me today is Jeff Johnson, my co-host, my producer, and wonderful friend. Today, we're going to be talking about tactical reality when social unrest becomes the new normal. This is going to be a tribute also to my firearms instructor, the late, great Louis Auerbuck. You know, I did an AM terrestrial show this morning on a local Utah, Sandy, Utah station. Tens of thousands in the audience, not nervous at all, but I really wanted to do an, a great job to pay homage to my firearms instructor, Louis Auerbuck. So I'm a little nervous. I want to get it right today. Anyway, regardless of the uh, the election outcomes that we're talking about in, in November, we're seeing articles all over the place that violence is going to be the inevitable result, regardless of who wins, regardless of who wins. It's going to be the government, no matter what party wins. And we discussed this on our recent episode of the Wasatch Report. If you're interested in hearing our political views, this is more of a preparedness podcast, but sometimes you have to combine preparedness and politics so you can be aware of situations. So today we're going to focus on preparedness and how to stay safe during these troubling times. Before we get rolling, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Red Hot Chili Prepper. If you're interested in our political shows, also Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. They're both together under one tent, Polita Prep podcast, which also has its own fan page. We're also setting up on some alternative platforms as we know there's going to be some significant shutdowns uh, and scaling back of, of pages on Facebook just before the election time, probably starting in October. So you can also listen to us if you're not following us live on Facebook right now on our live stream on Anchor FM. We're on seven platforms, including Spotify, Apple, the Google podcasts as well. Please like, share, support the show. You can support. I want to thank our latest supporters, Debbie and Michael. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And uh, also the Wasatch Report is on Anchor FM as well. So again, when you like, rate, share, comment uh, on these shows, it will generate more traffic to us. Also, SuzanneCSherman.com. You can donate directly there. You can also purchase some books from our reading selection as well, and that will help us out and will cost you no extra money, but we do have an Amazon affiliate link. So again, we do try to keep the topics light here and positive, but we would be remiss if we just ignored our thoughts on survival during these troubled times. You know, we prepare so we can survive, and sometimes these topics can't help but be a bit dark. Isn't that right, Jeff? I mean, we do like to keep this light and positive, but how do we how do we not talk about this? Well, it's impossible not to talk about this. And it is part of being a prepared person. This is something you need to think about, you have to plan for. Yep, we got it all here. So let me let me start with some of my sentiments on here. The book that I'm going to be talking about today, I'm pulling some some information from selected articles. Louis Auerbach, for many years, wrote for Soldier of Fortune and other related type magazines. And this is a book called uh, Tactical Reality. And it's a compilation of a compilation of other articles that he's written over the years. I've selected a few. I highly recommend it. In fact, I will look for this on Amazon and put this on my Facebook page. Again, SuzanneCSherman.com. Also, while you're there, you can find uh, my published articles as well as blogs. I'm going to turn the notes from today into a blog as well. So if you subscribe to the website, then that will go directly towards your door. But you know, here's what we want to focus on: tactical reality. When when social unrest becomes the new normal, 
And as I said earlier, regardless of the outcome, social unrest is going to continue after the elections. And this is a subject we discussed on our latest episode of the Wasatch Report. So today we're going to discuss ways to protect yourself and your family family during what is uh, starting to appear as another new normal. So again, I've selected some information from these articles. We've seen video examples of BLM and Antifa's acts of violence. They're all over the news cycles. You see them on, on social media. You can watch the news or everywhere. What can you do if you find yourself in a situation where you are surrounded or accosted by a violent and, ho and uh, hostile crowd? He has an article in his book called Dealing with Carjackers. And this information I found was relevant because we've seen the scenes where uh, like BLM, for instance, will block a highway or block a road. And in my old area near San Jose, California, they were breaking windows and pulling people out of the car and beating them. So Louis, Louis does start out by saying that normal precautions must be taken. You know, we know, have your windows up, have your doors locked and go into what he calls red alert. We're not going into the different levels of alert on this show. You can read about that. We'll do that another time. If you are rammed from behind at a traffic signal. So consider the footage we've seen where cars are surrounded, the windows are broken, people are dragged out. And this is the point where he advises you have only one option, immediate explosive reaction as time, space, and distance are compressed to such a degree that a split second of delay or indecision could cost you your life or cause you at a minimum severe physical injury. So he discusses various means of holstering or storing, holstering or storing your firearm um, in your vehicle during such incidents. But, you know, but be aware the use of deadly force while morally justified will earn you the wrath of the anti-gun neo-Marxist left as we have seen. So let's examine other means as in today's climate, carrying a firearm is often interpreted by leftists as having an intent to kill, a form of premeditation and the media plays that garbage narrative for all it's worth. He once asked us at the conclusion of one of his classes, what is the number one rule in a gunfight? And my immediate response was, when? To which he replied and pointed right back at me and yelled, don't. So despite his skills and his abilities to teach, his first admonition was to avoid deadly situations anytime it is possible. Avoidance, he would say, is always your best choice. And he published the book to which I'm referring in 1999. And he suggested uh, with these traffic-related issues such as roadblocks, created unrest or other problems, he suggested that you avoid these. Well, going back again, he started this book. He This was published in 1999. And again, with regards to tactical awareness, he's talking about in situational awareness, tactical reality, use your view mirrors as a means of being aware of your surroundings. But today, and we've talked about this and I've written articles uh, for survival dispatch and one was using your smartphone as a survival tool. We have the benefit of navigation software that can alert you to traffic related issues roadblocks caused by unrest or other problems. And I suggest you use those to keep abreast of the news and activities in your area uh, and be aware of any locations that you know are subject to uh, unrest or violence. He's talking about some tactical responses to dealing with an attack. And this is some stuff I wanted to share with you. <clears throat> He's mentioning here, and again, this was published in 1999, and there was an excerpt, this, he wrote an expert in, uh, excerpt in response to bathroom graffiti that stated there are no victims, only volunteers. 
And he said, with the United States in a societal state of degrada degradation, beg your pardon, currently mirroring that of the fall of the Roman Empire, it's meaning the graffiti, a reflection of the attitude of someone who is willing to fight and win. Jeff, how many times have we said your mindset, your brain, your plan is your number one tool of survival? That is a consistent message in Louis, uh, in, in his teachings. And that's one of the reasons I want to share that with everybody today. So even over 20 years ago, he explained how people are sick and tired of hollow political rhetoric and a system that favors the criminal. Look what's happening now with the couple in uh, St. Louis that defended themselves. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Kyle uh, Rittenauer as well. And uh, so again, they're tired of the system favoring the criminals over the uh, law-abiding citizens as well. You know, we're accused of living in an era of an era of systemic racism. We can never solve something like that. How can we ever say we've crossed the finish line? They have discovered means to keep unrest uh, a vital force in the media forefront for, for I would say, in perpetuity. So given the events we're seeing uh, where hapless travelers or diners are being subject to attack or intimidation, how does one avoid becoming a victim? We'll be right back to the discussion right after this about Roxanne, the music provider for the Wasatch Report. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. Uh, Jeff, we've said this time and time again, our first option is always situational awareness. Be aware of what is going around you. Uh, but if that fails, one of the things he says is make the battlefield one of your choosing. And after I get into this paragraph, you and I are going to kick this around a little bit, Jeff. So make the battlefield one of your choosing, even if doing so turns the odds against you uh, in your favor just minimally. So once again, Know your surroundings, be aware, notice anything that appears out of the ordinary. He is an example uh, here of armed individuals storming a crowded restaurant. We've seen a couple uh, incidents, we just referred to one, and this has been happening uh, to outdoor diners we're seeing. So note, while these hostile crowds may or may not have been armed, the threat presented is very real. Jeff, let's talk about that poor, you know, we saw a couple, I think it was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in your state, an elderly couple just having dinner uh, on outside on a sidewalk, since apparently in your state you're not allowed to eat indoors. Um, and this this whole group, this people marching down the street, surrounded their table, approached them. One woman came up, grabbed their drink, just drank it and spilled it. Very disrespectful. Fortunately, they weren't hurt. But what's something you would do if if a crowd like this started marching down the street and you were there? Do you have any ideas, Jeff? Well, I I don't know the layout. I don't know where these people were seated. I so it's really hard to make some, but I'll make some assumptions. I'll make an assumption that there were limited tables out on the sidewalk, and that there was a doorway where they were bringing food and stuff out. I would, as uh, soon as they were coming at us, I would usher my wife, if I was that gentleman, in the door, and I would use something to block the door so they cannot come in. You know, in my, there's a way, a way to lock it on from the inside. 
Yeah, in my notes here, I, I said there's no shame in escaping. There is no shame in, in hiding from an angry mob. If you think that you're going to go out there and, and cause some sort of a difference or get them to change their mind on what they're doing or somehow defeat a mob like that, you're asking for a lot of trouble. But that's exactly what I said, too. You know, like, again, going by what Louis said, your number one uh, rule should be to avoid a gunfight uh, if, yep. if, you, if you at all can. Or any yes, type yeah, of I wanted to, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to talk about something. Uh, we talked the other day before the show, and I had brought up something. I, I read a thing on Facebook about some people that were, uh, th- they were just, they mm-hmm. were just doing this. Uh, they were going to see some, uh, check on some people. They were just doing this, and they got caught up in the crowd. So they weren't watching what's going on around them. They put themselves in a position where they were now surrounded by people that were going to, uh, could potentially harm them. It is now a threat. They, they, it's not something that they should have done. They should have, if they wanted to do this, they should have uh, gotten a cab and got dropped at that location rather than walking there and getting caught up in this crowd. So you got to be, think about some of it's, this is that, that planning thing, that OPSEC, so you're you're going somewhere. You got to treat it like an operation. So you got to plan it, operational planning. You got to set up how you're going to do it. You're going to have some exits so you can get out of there. It, you you got to look at these things and plan them like a mission. So I mean, today in today's age, you got to look at these things completely different. We have some military guys in here. They know what I'm saying. You got to set it up just like a military operation. You have to have the contingency plans. You got to have other things. That's what we need to start looking at as we start doing these things outside or whatever. And again, he says here, he has a chapter that says, be a, a don't be a, a victim or a volunteer. And what he says here is you need to, again, be aware of your surroundings, changing conditions, constant observation is a part of your daily routine reflections. I, I say here, you know, if you're walking down the street and it's crowded and you're going past storefront windows, look in the, look in the window, see the reflection, see who's around you. You might notice somebody that is a little too close or paying a little bit too much attention to you. This is not paranoia. This is something that could actually save your life. It could become a habit and it becomes second nature. It's something that becomes a subconscious procedure. Are there a change of uh, traffic patterns? If you're in a vehicle, crowds in the street, whether you're a vehicle or dining outdoors, uh, simply walking down the street. We, we've all uh, had seen people being attacked in all of these situations. So in an urban setting, particularly, these observations are going to present you with an opportunity to avoid danger or give you precious seconds to come up with a game plan. Now, I always think about a game plan ahead of time. What are you going to do and put that into effect when you sit down in a restaurant? Where are you sitting? I like to sit with my back to the wall. I like to know where the exits are, what doors are working, what are not. He reminded us that instant reflective, uh, reflexive action is the uh, key to your survival. And he says, above all, don't play fair. You know, we talk about, uh, we've seen vehicles, again, getting stopped and the passengers being pulled out. If you use your vehicle, your trucks, for instance, to plow through a life-threatening uh, situation, says, remember, this vehicle could be overturned and set on fire. We saw something very similar to that happening in Salt Lake City where a gentleman went out there to back the police officers and he brought a uh, compound bow with him. And he actually raised that at some members of the audience. His car was overturned and he was arrested. So don't do something stupid like that. 
And also when you do plow through uh, a, a crowd and you're trying to escape, for instance, um, nobody but a volunteer drives into a riot without thinking of the consequences. And we've seen the instances like in Charlottesville of how the media treats these people. Again, whether you're right or wrong morally, the court of public opinion, which the judge, the jury, and the executioners are all the media and a lot of the uh, leftist politicians, avoidance again is very is very uh, critical. So think about, uh, remember, remember Zimmerman and, and uh, Trayvon Martin? I would call Zimmerman a volunteer. He voluntarily interjected himself into a violent situation. And uh, that's something you want to avoid as well. And who was the other couple? Was it the McCloskeys? Yes, it was Joseph. Oh, um, yeah, Mark and Patricia McCloskey. They stood outside their home in St. Louis. Again, what are you going to do? Jeff, what would you have done in that situation? I mean, these people had already broken through a gate. They were on private property. I believe they were on their property and they went out and defended it tactically. I think they handled it poorly. But look how the media treated them. Their firearms training, their, the way they, they held their firearms, uh, very poor muzzle control, obviously was lacking. But their firearms, they never shot at anybody. They never injured anybody, but all their firearms were confiscated. So be very careful how you choose to protect yourself. Go ahead, Jeff. What they did was correct. They were protecting their property. These people physically broke a gate to get onto their property. So they it, it was breaking in. They committed a crime to get on the property. Now they're on the property, and these people are defending their lives and their property. So what they did was morally correct. Their methods were less than optimal. Let's just put it that way. They really needed to get some training. If they're going to do that, they needed to have some training and understand. Uh, and really, they needed to have some training as far as the legalities of some of these things. A lot, and a lot, most people don't really know what's actually legal in their states and what they can and cannot do. Now, Pennsylvania, it's a little bit better because we have the Castle Doctrine. They would be covered in Pennsylvania. Fortunately, uh, I believe they were in Illinois. Uh, Illinois is, can be dicey, but so you really need to know what's going on in your state and know your state laws uh, to uh, keep yourself from ending up in uh, in court. Now, as I remember it, they were arrested and now they they were facing charges. So, you know, the people that broke into their property, they're going free, but they're now having to defend themselves, and that's just pretty typical for the, the larger cities and some of these states that are less than friendly to uh, gun owners. So, Yeah, we're going to take a quick break to thank our friends over on Anchor FM. And then I'm going to share a story with you of a shooting incident that took place in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I learned a lot from my reading and research of that one. And we'll, we'll be right back and we'll cover that. We'll be right back after this message about Anchor FM. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And you know what? It's free. And they have creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and many more. And the best thing is, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. This is the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson is joining me. And we're talking about tactical reality when social unrest becomes the new normal. How do you cope with it? How do you stay safe? How do you keep your family safe, particularly in a day and age where the political climate highly disfavors those of us that seek peace and only want to be left alone? If we defend ourselves, whether armed or unarmed, we are castigated as white supremacists or we are somehow um, you know, in violation of other gun laws and trying to harm peaceful protesters, even though they are looting and burning down buildings and causing physical harm to other people. The media does like to turn the other way. So we're talking about is how do you how do you even survive in a situation like that? And this was an incident, I forgot the year it was, but I think this was close to 20 years ago. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, there was a funeral procession and an off-duty police officer. And if you remember, if anybody remembers this, feel free to weigh in. A poli- an off-duty police officer was doing uh, working for the funeral processions on his motorcycle, and a car pulled in and interfered with the procession. I mean, it cut in; it didn't cause any accidents or anything. But this police officer pulled the man over. It was a black man. It was a Mer- he was driving a Mercedes, and the top was it was a convertible, and the top was down. The man pulled out a significant roll of cash and tried to bribe the police officer, at which point he tried to um, arrest the driver of the vehicle. So he was attacked at that point. The man was very muscular, and I, I believe it, he was under the influence of steroids. So this was an incident of road rage. The incident took place where the where the stop occurred, I believe, in a parking lot. And the officer was finally, he was knocked down and the other man was straddling him and they were fighting over control of his service weapon. It was a Glock and the officer was trying to slam it into the ground to disable it so it would not, it would not, mal, it would not, uh, it would malfunction, I beg your pardon, if the um, attacker, the assailant, got a hold of it. A concealed carry permit holder comes out of the store and I believe this man was a retired truck driver and he had had a severe back injury in the past. So he could do nothing to physically interfere, but he did draw his weapon and instruct the man to get off the police officer. The police officer had, I think, multiple broken bones in his face, and he was clearly um, subdued. He could not do anything to defend himself at this point. And the um, the concealed carry holder, uh, he ended up shooting the police officer, or not the police officer, but the assailant several times in the body and because of the man's size and the, the influence of the steroids at the time, nothing was happening. He finally took a headshot, and that is what disabled the assailant. So what's important to remember here was the, the response and what this man had to go through. The police officer, everything that the, the city attorney, they all came to, to the rescue of the police officer, came on his side. But this man was responsible to defend himself. The district attorney ended up realizing they came to the conclusion that the shooting was justified and no charges were filed. But you have the usual cast of characters, the NAACP and all the other, you know, uh, troublemakers coming in and saying, no, that this was clearly a racially, um, a racially motivated incident because the shooter and the police officer were white and the man who was uh, the assailant of the police officer was black. So this man ended up having, I think he was planning to move to Florida. He was absolutely hated in the, in the area where he lived. The media came against him. You know, the usual cast of suspects did. So you have to really think, do you want to get involved and how important is it 
to to get involved in a situation where your life might not be in danger. So uh, he did save the officers and probably somebody else's life. And I'm not saying he did anything wrong. The point is, think about how you'll be treated in today's climate. Uh, do you have anything to say about that, Jeff? I thought that was a really important story when I first heard that. Well, you have to just make a decision because you're going to have to live with it. Number one, you, you're going to have to live with taking the life. And number two, you're going to have to live with the consequences surrounding all that because of, like you said, the media, uh, the people that you're around. Now, you and I, it wouldn't affect us as much as far as because we live in the country. So I, I don't think that people would be, you know, our neighbors would care too much. But, you know, it, it's always a possibility. But if you live in a city, you're going to have to, um, you know, weigh those costs. And, if, I mean, in reality, I would have done the same thing. I would have defended the officer. Uh, I would have defended anyone that's on the ground being pummeled, and uh, especially if they're trying to take a firearm from them, because that's just going to end very, very badly. So I would I'd be on their side no matter what, whether it's an officer or not. So. You know, I think on one end of the spectrum is this situation. And then on the other one was, uh, you know, Zimmerman with the Trayvon incident. And that's just profoundly stupid. You don't go out with a, with a firearm looking looking for trouble. So that and, you know, the interesting thing, though, I'm not going to get into the racial aspects of that because that was just absolutely stupid. And I don't want to get distracted too much. So um, I also have some notes here about other folks I wanted to discuss. I know that woman because we're going to talk about what to do in a no shoot situation and that woman we're talking about, I don't remember where it was, but do you recall she was surrounded by Black Lives Matter uh, folks all around her table. Her back was against the wall. She was leaning back, exposing vital organs, her neck and uh, you know her, her heart, everything. So she was very lucky that nobody erupted in violence. But Jeff, what do we call when somebody gets in your face and waves their fist? That is assault. That is I mean, they have, they have committed a crime. And at that point, uh, I, I hope that she had her her phone out recording this incident because now it is a crime and uh, you're going to force the cops to arrest this person. I mean, because they're not going to. I'm telling you right now, they're not going to. Portland, they're, we had that I put up earlier. They 500 of them, they let them out. They're not pressing any charges no matter what they do, whether they're uh, looting or whether they're burning stuff or committing arson, they're just letting them all go. So you know that the police aren't going to arrest this person. You know the DA is not going to do anything, but you're going to have to push. You're going to have to push. You're going to have to make it perfectly clear you're pressing charges and that the, you are expecting them to arrest this person for the act of assault. Now, if she touched well, her in any way, shape, or form, now it's battery. But at that time, it is just assault. Well, and here's the thing, when they're that close, I'm sure she's being touched at some point. Somebody's grazing against her, something's happening. Plus also, is your phone at that point gonna be just grabbed from your hands? And then you have no way of contacting anybody. And um, you know, here's a quick comment, though he should walk away under our bucks rule. Morally, I could not walk away. And again, Louie never says, don't get into a gunfight if your life isn't in imminent danger. He does talk about decisive, reaction, immediate reaction. You know, when he says walk away, uh, don't get into a gunfight. It, he, one of the examples he used in a class I had with him, if somebody's in your house and you're down, you're upstairs, they're downstairs stealing your stereo equipment, let them take it. You can call the police or whatever, but it is not worth, if it's not worth dying for, it's not worth getting into um, a, a gunfight for. 
And arguably, you know, when somebody's about to be killed, uh, you know, there's nothing morally or ethically wrong with stepping in and defending that person. Remember, the use of lethal force force is generically authorized when you are in imminent or immediate fear of serious bodily injury or death to yourself or others. And that's subject to the reasonable person test. Would a reasonable person in same or similar circumstances react accordingly? I sincerely agree that a reasonable person would have acted the way the uh, person that saved the, the police officer in Baton Rouge did. So I don't really think that is a walk away under Louis or any or even the generic test rule. Go ahead. So I want to go with your scenario. So you have someone downstairs stealing your stuff and you are upstairs. So someone's going to go out there and say, well, I'm going to go down and I'm going to shoot them. I don't care. I'm going to go down there. So you're going to come out where you're safe. And you're going to walk down that fatal funnel mm -hmm. and put yourself in a position where you, you're now beyond not being defensive. You're putting yourself in a stupid position because you're, you're putting yourself in a fatal funnel where that person, you, you are going to die if that person has a gun because they, you're in one spot. You're coming down that stairwell. And a lot of stairs are like little hallways. They have walls on either side. So you are stuck. You have no cover. You have, so it's a terrible situation. Stay upstairs, call the police, let them steal this stuff. Don't go down that fatal funnel. Unless you have children that live downstairs, uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to brave the fatal funnel and get down there because your children's lives are more important. There's always something there that is a qualifier. But if you, your, your whole family's upstairs, everyone's in bed, um, just stay up there. Now, if they start to come up the steps, they're in the fatal funnel. Now you're going to catch two to the chest. It's just that plain and simple because now they're a direct threat to my family. So they're going to catch it coming up the fatal funnel. Let them come up the, there. You stay out of it and you'll be safe. Um, so that's it for that scenario. There's a, there's a million scenarios. We can come up with a million of them. And that's not the point. The point is to avoid the conflict. If there's no reason to start going down there and get into a gunfight, don't go down there and get in a gunfight. Because no, number two reason is if your family's upstairs, bullets are going to travel through floors and stuff. Now you're putting their family at risk because you got you had that syndrome where you've had to go down there and tell them who the boss was and got started shooting. And now you put your kids and your wife at, at risk too. So you know what? In some scenarios, it's best not to get involved and not to uh, initiate a fight. Some places you have no choice. So just read this, you know, read the scenario, whatever you're presented with, you're going to have to make split second decisions. You guys in the military that have been in battle, you know exactly what that means. Um, you know, in law enforcement, it's tough times. You have to make uh, split second decisions. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're not. It's just like in the battlefield. So, and boy, howdy, if you get it wrong, one of the examples Louie gave in a class was, you know, somebody's down there, you're, you think your house has been broken into and you come down and you start shooting and oh, lo and behold, your teenager has a friend over in the middle of the night and you can't take that back. And this is another example of what we just talked about, Jeff, of choosing your battlefield. This doesn't just take place in an urban setting, but it takes place particularly, I would say, in a residential setting. So even if you're out in an area where it takes a longer time for police to arrive, um, you can still be in control of the setting. They have to come to a funnel to get to you. You have the advantage of knowing the of knowing the battlefield, being being in with the battlefield, because 
this is where you live. You have the bat, you have the advantage of knowing what walls you can shoot through, uh, where the studs are possibly, you know, these are things you should know in your house. If you have to do this, if you cannot escape again, there is no shame in escaping. There is shame in dying unnecessarily because you picked a fight that wasn't worth dying for. So either get out or let them come to you. A friend of mine said, boy, that would really be hard. I, I think I'd go down there and I'd, I'd shoot them. And I said, you know, let me ask you something. Let me run a scenario by you. I have a friend who is army in Iraq and he was guarding a building that had the women and children, uh, the families of some of the Iraqis that were working with the American military over there. And a gentleman came up to their floor, came out of the elevator, and he was pushing a tray. He was pretending to be a waiter. Well, he knew right away this gentleman was not a waiter, and it turned out he had a hand grenade. My friend shot him and then immediately piled on top of him and laid on top of this man who died underneath him to hold that grenade and to keep the pressure on him. And this man, 30 years later, was sitting on my porch crying his eyes out. Think about how that affected him. And could you possibly come up with a more justified shooting than this one? An act of bravery and, and, and you know, to, to do something like this. And he was completely tore up about it because he took a life that, very just, that was very justified in being taken. Thoughts, Jeff? Well, that was one of the things I said. You're, you're going to have to live with the consequences of your choices. So, you know, it may, it very well may be justified, but you're still going to have to come to terms with taking live. It's just, I, I think we need to discuss this a little bit too. If you're going to carry a firearm, you better be committed to draw that and take a life. If you're not committed to do that, you better not be carrying a firearm. Because if you're just carrying it just to, for the show and you, you're, it's going to be taken from you, you're going to die by your own firearm. So if you're going to carry a firearm, be committed. Uh, it stinks that you have to think this way, but you have to be committed to the act of pulling the trigger. If you're not, then just don't carry at all. You're, you're safer not doing that. Just call the police and hope they get there in time. Yeah, and, and let's talk about a little bit about what to do and what he refers to as a no-shoot situation. And the one, again, the first one that comes to my mind is that woman who was in the pink T-shirt backed up against the wall in a restaurant. So you're sitting there and or outside the restaurant on a sidewalk. All these people are gathered around her. They are multiple levels deep, piled up. If you try and shoot someone like that, it's going to hit somebody else if it passes through who may or may not have been considered a threat. Regardless, are there other options available to you? Let's say you shoot and then they take your gun away. Now somebody has your firearm. I would, I personally would not draw a firearm in that incident, but notice what she did, how vulnerable she was. She left her safety, her lack of being injured completely up to people who had already assaulted her by getting that close. She was lucky that they showed her mercy. So what are some of your options? Jeff, you had said that she probably had uh, forks or knives or other weapons available on the table. Possibly a drinking glass you can break. One woman caught my attention. Now, one theory, you, one, one technique you consider, and this was the one I personally came up with. Again, you can sit and, and hope they don't hurt you. And once they start, at that point, you might not be able to defend yourself. 
there was a woman right in front of her that had a long braid. Did you see that one? No, I didn't. But I do have a another response to this thing. But I, I was going to let you finish up with your point there first. Go ahead. My voice is getting hoarse. Okay. Well, uh, you know, as distasteful as this option is, this was an option that she had. She could have put her fist up and said, yay, Black Lives Matter, yay. And they would have walked away. And and as distasteful as that is, and I wouldn't want to do that, if that was me sitting there, and especially if I had some a family member sitting there with me, uh, I'm going to kind of diffuse this as best I can. I don't want to do this. But you know what? The uh, That option is way better than any other, whether it's a knife or a fork or drawing your firearm or whatever. At that point, she was completely defenseless at that point. She had no defense. Every option was awful at that point. So the best option now is become that gray man. We were talking about that in that post earlier. Become that gray man. Her point, her case, gray woman. Uh, put that fist up and agree with him. Yeah, black lives matter. Woo, yeah. They at walk what away. Point, at what point do we have to stop grabbing our ankles and submitting to this? You know, and this is the problem. If you want to get away from that situation, absolutely raise that fist. And here's the interesting thing about her. I read an interview where she said, I support Black Lives Matter, but I don't feel that they should have forced me to raise my fists. I don't care if you support them or not. Again, one strategy, comply and and raise your fist and off they go. I don't. If she if she didn't and they escalated and then it became a then violent encounter. Now the options are really awful because I'm betting she's if she supports Black Lives Matter, I would mm-hmm. bet anything she didn't have a firearm on her. She probably mm-hmm. didn't even have a pocket knife on her. I I always carry a knife, and that's an option. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a long enough blade. It is deadly. And uh, you know what? I always am, I'm always armed with a firearm. I mean, there's one right here with me right now. But my plan at that point, especially if I'm out with friends or family, uh, I want this to fuse. I want them to walk away and leave leave us alone because I'm not put. I don't want to put my family members or anyone else around me in danger because now if I if it goes to gunplay, I mean that, those bullets are traveling a long ways. You know, you got to it'll go a mile. It may not be very effective at a mile, but it'll go mile. And so you're in a small restaurant. Everyone in that place is in danger because that bullet could possibly go and get them too. So, yeah, you know, pick your I battles. Mean, I'm outside. I hear this coming down the street. I'm going inside. I'm getting out of the way. Uh, I'm a white girl. They're going to see me. They're not going to like me. I know I'm going to be a target. So that first couple where the glasses were being thrown and nobody was really targeting them other than being disrespectful. They were very lucky. They should have just gone inside the restaurant. And, uh, you know, I'd lock myself in the bathroom. If I was that gal in the pink shirt and they're all in my face, the one with the braid, she's mine. I'm grabbing that braid with my right hand and I'm going to pull her right in on top of me because now I've got her as a shield. I've got the back or the wall to my back as another shield. Table might come down and cover us at the same time. I'm pulling her down on top of me, close to me, and I'm going to put the hurt on her that will send a message to the others. And if you want to know what you can do, I'm not going to say it here. You know, read some of the UFC or MMA regulations. Look at the stuff you're not allowed to do. Eyes are very vulnerable. Ears really hurt when you grab them, particularly if you tear them. Trachea, throat, very vulnerable. There are a lot of ways 
you can hurt somebody, make it a life-changing but non-lethal experience, and the others, probably being the cowards that they are, will run off. They're not going to come to her defense. And if they do, you're going to have her as a shield that's going to buy some time until some help can get there. And, uh, you know, this woman, I'm sure I'm looking at her. I'm sizing her up as I'm watching this video. She's got a face diaper on. She's got her little mask. It's not an Antifa mask. It's one of the little face masks, which tells me she's compliant. She believes what she hears about, you know, all the other stuff going around. So she's probably not going to be armed or very smart. So she's mine. We'll be right back after this message about Anchor FM. Know what's going on around you. Uh, you know, r really, if you're in a city and you're going out to eat, you're probably better off staying home in some of these cities right now. Oh, yeah. You would, there's no reason to go out there and make yourself a target. It's hard. I mean, I, I can I can sit here and come up with a million scenarios, a million scenarios where everything works out great, a million scenarios where everything goes to crap, and I'm pulling the trigger. So, you know, it, it's a matter of assessing the odds of having a nice night without any incident against the odds of having to pull the trigger. You got, you got to weigh the options and see what you can do. Now, you might find it's easier to go out to maybe suburbia, go out to, if you live in a city, go a little, get on the bus or whatever you do, you get out to suburbia where, you know, like it's likely that it's not going to be the problem there. You, you just got to make some plans. And again, this is operational security. Make the plans, figure out what's safe, what's not, and then give yourself exits. Now, this, this person was at, against a wall. If she was in a corner, that's even worse. Don't ever put yourself in a corner because you are absolutely trapped in a corner. You always want to be on the middle of a wall where you can go right, left. You, it gives you some options. Uh, and again, keep facing where the entrance is or where people will be coming from so you are aware. And if you see people coming in like that, they you know go inside or whatever you have to do. Just give yourself the exit. Exit as quickly as you can, and then that will diffuse the situation as well. Yeah. And uh, TD is uh, leaving because he says we're advocating rolling over. He says that's BS. And geez, that's sad. You, Again, know, you know what? If your mom, hey, TD, don't, before you go, your mom's sitting with you. She's 75 years old. And you're going to start a gunfight with your mom sitting right next to you. My mom's sitting next to me. And this person's in my face. I'm going to put my fist up and I'm going to act like uh, I agree with them because I want my mom to go home safely. That's not, I'm, I'm not going to start pulling triggers because I'm a bigger man. We have a lot of people here that have zero firearms experience, zero personal protection experience, zero combat experience too. One of the things I, I pride myself too on the Red Hot Chili Prepper Forum is, you know, this is for everybody that's new to a situation. So somebody that is very naive and ends up in a situation like this, well, I can't make them feel bad because they don't have a firearm or they don't know how to gouge out somebody's eye or something. But what might an option be? Well, sometimes you just have to comply if you are completely untrained and don't have a plan. And that's or why I said, seven, or and, 70 on one. Right. And that's I don't know how many was in that that thing there, but there was at least 20 people in front of that lady. She's uh, she's totally defensive. 20 on one. The odds suck. I tell You're you not what. starting to fight there. If you or your family member gets killed in a situation like that because you feel that it was shameful to roll over, you'll your name will make it in the news. You might have your picture, but nobody's going to know 
who your name, what your name was or who you are within a couple days. If that, you know who's going to remember your name and really miss you and need you? Your family. You have a duty to your family to survive. If you don't have the proper training, if you don't have the skills, I will advise you to do whatever it takes to comply in a situation like that. If the if it's a matter of raising your fist and saying, yeah, Black Lives Matter, you know, Suzanne, do it and live to fight another day. Go ahead. I have another thing. TD, go back and find on SoundCloud, find our one. We did a show about never giving up. You, 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 in this situation, you're never giving up. What you're doing is you're, you're playing the people in front of you. You're trying to get them out of in front of you. You're trying to create space with her as close right. as she is to you. You have no space. They are, you are so in the defensive situation. You, that was a losing battle. She, she sat back and she got lucky that they didn't do anything. Had they been intent on violence, she's done. They're going to win, period. And, and and I have said before, I am an advocate of never surrendering. And again, we had an episode called Never Surrender. I want to redo that one again because I really like that. Surrender is never an option if your life is in danger. I was having a conversation with some gals out here in Park City, and they were saying that one gal was saying, my brother was um, kidnapped during a bank robbery. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, they got him in the car and they drove around town and, and the police were trying to fight him. And I said, why did he get in the car? And she looked at me like I was crazy and said, because he had a gun. And I said, even more reason not to get in the car. If your life is at danger, you don't surrender. If your pride is at danger, do you still have that same philosophy? Is it so important to you not to raise your hand if you don't have a plan, if you don't have the skills, if you're weak, if you have your baby or an elderly relative with you? Is it that important? That's not rolling over. The number one rule of survival, uh, of preparedness also, is to get out of the way and survive the situation. There's no shame in that. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. I had a phone call. So I'm, I missed completely everything you just said. Yeah. So. And again, again, it, you know, rolling over in a situation like that, that's that what I was saying when you're away, Jeff, was that's a matter of your pride. Never surrender when your life or a family member, a loved one's life is at issue. Never surrender. We're going to do another episode on that. Right now, we're trying to talk about surviving these situations. So there is a difference. And it's unfortunate that our friend wasn't savvy enough to to figure that out. But let's get back to now um, some of the things absolutely not to do. Do you remember Joe Biden saying, oh, if somebody comes to your door and it's a burglar, just take your shotgun or go on your porch and just fire off around? Well, that's Joe Biden. So that's the stupidity that we've come to expect from him. Uh, another thing, when I was getting ready to take a tactical shotgun class with uh, Louie, was I was getting some um, some containers or some things, I forgot what they're called, to put the um, so the shotgun shells in. Now I just use my pocket. But uh, I was purchasing my shotgun too. And I said that I was taking a shotgun class. And someone says, you don't need to aim if you have a shotgun. Or one woman said, well, you know, my husband just told me if there's a stranger at the door, just, you know, rack that rack that pump action on that shotgun and people will come, you know, they'll run away instantly. In effect, you're taking an unloaded gun to a gunfight. 
and you have absolutely no intention of using said gun in a gunfight. I don't know what could go wrong. Maybe, maybe your gun could be taken from you. And if you're stupid enough to show up with an unloaded one, they're going to uh, beat you to death with it. Or if it's loaded, kill you and your family with it. So yeah. please don't, if you're married and you tell your wife to just rack the pump, you know, pump the pump on that, on that uh, shotgun, you're stupid. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, but I would rather see if you're, in your scenario, your wife, uh, you're going to leave a firearm with them. I would rather see you put give them something that has like a crimson trace uh, laser on it. Once that red laser is on someone's chest, they know that it's all over if they don't back off and leave. Yes, a shotgun, that's great, but, you know, yeah, you're if you're going to this whole situation with an un an empty chamber, then you're just going there to fail. So go there with a loaded gun and put that. If, like I said, uh, it, the laser is a visual that they will never ever dispute. They'll know exactly where that bolt's going to hit them. And you put a center mass on their chest. They're going to know that they are in a world of hurt at that moment. Um, but if, again, if you're going to do that, if you're going to put the laser on them, be prepared to pull the trigger. If you're not going to pull the trigger, then just don't go out there with the firearm with the laser on it because that's just you're just asking for them to take it. So, well, again, it's, it's commitment if, to doing what has to be done. Yeah. And if it's at nighttime, you're giving away your position. Also, as Louis said, bluffing with a firearm in a no shoot situation is stupid. So um, those are things to think about. He also gets into the different types of, of victims here. And this is what I want to wrap up our show on as well. Um, one of them, and this is what we touched on today. You find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. We've talked about the riots, the marches, or a terrorist attack. Here's something that struck me. Do you remember the terrorist attack in France? And uh, I think they had, there was one woman, she was, uh, I think had been knocked to the ground. And there was a guy standing over her with an AK-47 pointed right at her head. And she just laid there motionless. Pulls the trigger, malfunction. Her life was spared, not because the criminal, the terrorist holding the gun at her head showed her mercy. She was the recipient of some amazingly uh, good luck. Now, what else could she have done? She's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And here's where I talk about never surrendering. Now, this is not, she was lying there. She was rolling over. That's not what we're advocating here. She was toast. What should she have done? She's lucky. She should have grabbed that muzzle, turned it away from her face, kicked the snotted out of that guy, done something. He wouldn't expect it. I know where I'd aim that heel of mine. And then oh, yeah. beat the living crap out of him with that yeah. gun when he drops it because he's just sent his balls into his throat. Sorry, go ahead. Yep. Well, that's what I was going to say. If he's straddling her, standing over her, there is the prime target. And I mean, uh, you, okay, <laughs> we're talking about fighting now. Yeah. If you are in the fight, you are fighting to win. You're not, there's no second place. There's alive and there's dead. So you're, now you are in a life and death. It, it's time to turn it on. And you're fighting to win. So everything's fair game. You're going to take them right in the mama papas and put them on the ground. And then you're going to finish them off if you can. I mean, he's now, he's forfeited his life. Again, I carry a pocket knife. If that's all I had, it's fair game. The, the, right here, you're done. He's done. You've 
You've ended his life. You've ended the threat. Anything you got to do to win, you're going to do it at that point. And she should have not rolled over and waited for the bullet to hit her in the head, which she got lucky it didn't. She should have fought from the second that guy straddled her. It, it was on, game on. It's life, death. I'm going to win. I'm going home tonight. This guy's not. So there you go. It's not about rolling over. It's about surviving. And if you can get out of the fight without having to fight, then you've won because your family's safe. Everyone around you is safe. So you know what? I, you know, TD, I'm sorry if I offended you. But the fact of the matter is it's not about rolling over. It's about getting home alive. That's that's 100% it. There's nothing else about it. You're getting home alive. And if it means I got to raise my fist and I crowd like that to walk away and be the gray man, I'm going to raise my fist to be the gray man. And I'm going to make my exit. See you yeah, later. I, I ain't shooting because I'm going down there because I want to go home alive. I hate to think that I would never uh, see my family again because I didn't do something like that. But again, if I was in that position where they were that close to me and I was that surrounded, I would put the hurt on, on the bitch with the braids. I'm just saying. So another, another uh, type of victim here is when somebody just has it out for you. And I remember actually Louie saying this in class, if somebody wants to put your hide on the wall, it's only a matter of time. We're not going to get into that one. But another one here is those who won't fight back, like the woman on the wall, the woman on the ground in France, expect no mercy for your enemy. Now here is the fourth one, and this is what's really important. This person is not a victim because they choose not to be, and they reflect on their tactics. They have a brain and a plan. They make that a part of your everyday life. Some closing comments here. Colonel Jeff Cooper, I'm going to paraphrase him, uh, and Louis Auerbuck worked with Colonel Cooper, retired uh, uh, United States Marine Corps, Mr. 1911, the, I would say, undisputed expert on, defect, on defensive handgun uh, tactics. What Colonel Cooper had said was, um, the criminal does not fear the police, nor the judge, nor the jury. So to make society safe, he must learn to fear his intended victim. Also, the only honorable response to violence is an overwhelming show of counter violence. The problem now, this is my commentary on this, is today's media and government officials care little for honor and only for control over a weak and subservient po uh, populace. So to be ready for a trial by jury in the court of public opinion, if you act honorably, avoid these situations where you'll be forced to defend yourself at all if possible. Final thoughts, Jeff? Yes, I, I put in there in the chat, OPSEC, uh, PERSEC, operational security. So you're going to have a plan. I was just typing it out. Make an operation plan. You may be just going to dinner, but make an operation plan. Uh, what am I going to do if there's a, a situation while we're in the car going there and I'm in a place where I'm stuck? And, you know, if they have... In most of these cases where they're on these highways and stuff, they have some sort of weapon in their hand. They have bats or whatever they are. At that point, if they have you stopped, you are now in a situation where it's it's go, no go. You either are going to put your foot on the gas pedal and ram it through them and get out of there. Or uh, like you were saying, where they break the window, you may be in an unholster situation where you're just have to start uh, using your firearm. But have plans. So if you're going out to dinner, Plan your operation, have operational security, and then when you get there, have your PERSEC, your personal security, absolutely in mind, 
Um, I usually tend to ask to be seated by uh, fire exits if I'm out to dinner. Um, I've kind of gotten lax in that lately, but, uh, you know, pretty much I tend to ask to be by a fire exit. That is a great place to be seated. If, some, if they start rolling in the front door, you can sneak out that uh, fire exit and get out of there. So really just plan what you're going to do. Have a plan. Stick to the plan. And then when things go to crap, you're going to it's you know, you're going to have some idea what you're going to do. But, uh, you know, uh, plans are as soon as that first shot's fired, the plans are out the window. So just think about what you're doing. And, and if if rolling over means put your fist up in the air and so you can make an exit and, and roll over. You know, just get home safely to your family. In my situation, if I was out to dinner and say my mom's with me, 80 years old, what am I going to do? Start a fight with my 80-year-old mother that totally defenseless in this situation? No, I'm not going to. I'm going to do whatever I can to defuse it, get people away from there. And if I have to, uh, I will do what I have to do. But, you know, I'm really at that point very limited in what I can do because of my situation. So, you know, think about what you're doing. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, we're going to continue uh, on another show with our episode on Never Surrender. I'm going to actually see if I can get Larry Medgett that wrote that article, uh, who has a firearms school. At least he did last when we spoke out in, um, I think it's in south south um, of Salt Lake City, and get back in touch with them and see if they're if he'd be willing to come on and do another episode of that. We did one on the old Wentworth. Anyway, we're going to wrap up the show and then we'll revisit some of the comments that have come up while we were while we were broadcasting. But on behalf of Jeff Johnson, I'm Suzanne Sherman. We would both like to thank you for joining us today on our episode of the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. Thank you.